Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Miranda, here with Kristen, Kate, and Chris. Back up from the mic a little bit. Sorry, can I start again? <laughs> you can if you want, but like, it's still that I don't close. Know how, I don't know how close I'm supposed to Do you to. hear yourself? Yeah, I'm yelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, Miranda, you fucking nailed it. That's why we have monitors on. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try this. Again. Don't you yell. Just be normal. It's all right. That yeah, that's a bit. Okay. Miranda, what are you doing with your hands? Is the real question. Uh, oh they're sweating, God. so I have them on my she's, my sweatpants. She's grasping her legs. <laughs> I'm grasping it firmly. <laughs> if you must know, she's grasping her girthy legs. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad we have all of this on tape. <laughs> Jesus, like yes, Just love it. Don't think about it. Your face got seventeen shades redder when you brought us in, sweetie. Yes. Yes. You don't. It's just okay. Don't. Is just, this is this a good distance? Should I just be this distance? It's no. more about the voice that you use. Because <laughs> you're like, hi, oh, this is red. <laughs> That's what she did last time. <laughs> oh my god. Y'all. Okay. I love you guys so much. You're doing great, Miranda. Okay, we're going to take some deep breaths real quick. Namaste. Fuck what I said. Okay. This is my speaking voice. Oh my god. No, we all have giggles. It's not good. No. I'm fine. Yo, all fuck right, you, Chris. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 85 of the Bookworms Pod. I'm Miranda, here with Kristen, Kate, and Chris, wrapping up Empire's End. Let's, um, before we get started, just go around the digital table. What's everybody drinking? What was your favorite part of celebration this past weekend? Uh, um, my favorite part of celebration <laughs> was when Hayden Christensen talked about his deep and abiding love for sand. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> really. It was incredible. No, <laughs> I mean, not, sorry, go ahead. I, I one of the things that I really like about big cons like this is that, you know, you just get all of those like behind the scenes facts where, you know, here I was, an idiot, thinking that he hated it. Mm-hmm. But no. I don't know where you could have possibly gotten that idea from. <laughs> but we, we've been living a lie. It's true. Um my favorite part was um the overpriced hotel whiskey. Um <laughs> and my surprise visit. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I I personally was really interested when we saw the trailer for episode nine. Obviously, the big reveal is that they're retconning Darth Vader to have been a woman the whole time, which was a big twist. Did not expect JJ to go that route. I did mean, not know they were going to bring J.K. Rowling in for yeah, definitely. Honestly, nine. and honestly, oddly self-aware of her to play the villain. It's it's true. But Chris, was that a bigger surprise than Darth Jar Jar? That wasn't a surprise at all. Have you read the internet? 
What a good point. Can I introduce you to Reddit? She's read the whole internet. Did you know that? Kate has read... That was the other big reveal of Star Wars uh, Celebration Chicago is that Kate has read the whole internet. Interesting. Interesting that they gave her a panel about that. Unexpected, to be sure. Unexpected. Excuse you. Listen, (laughs) Kate is the hero that we deserve. Thank you, Miranda, for recognizing (laughs) my greatness. All right, JK, guys, we're recording this before Celebration, so... Yeah, this is this was recorded... <laughs> this is a pre-cord. <laughs> this is recorded the Monday before Celebration. People are excited. People are panicking about this and about that and about weather and about lightsabers. So really, we're just all on schedule right now. We, we're we're also recording on the day of the NCAA men's uh, basketball championship game. And Chris and I, in case you have never listened before, are currently located in the D.C. area. And so we are literally surrounded by fucking... Virginia fans and we have done our best to mitigate any of the literally constant screaming (laughs) we've been getting for the entire first half but if you hear any of that they're mostly cheering for us but they're also cheering for Virginia (laughs) yes it is it's mostly for us basket (laughs) did you know the Keeks and Miranda were in our college pep band because they were (laughs) Listen, but they had to but, cancel that cheer because we weren't supposed to say ball during it. But <laughs> why? But but would you would you both say that it's it's cold in here? Chris, th- that was first of all that was a high school movie. Okay, but it's a whole different. No, thing. it's not even a oh basketball movie. Wow, way to not get the reference of the terrible Jose Andres hype up video that they played at oh, GW Games. Oh, it's GW band people. Up the heat. <laughs> That is my God. favorite video that they ever produced. It uh, it's no clearly sense. not because you forgot it. <laughs> oh, I thought I went oh. straight to bring it on. I bl- gonna... I was going to say we both went to bring it on because you're outnumbered th- three to four. I mean, three to one <laughs> on by, by queer women on this. Outnumbered right now. three to four. Accurate. So like, keeping our like... streak. Keeping our streak, by the way, of everybody on this podcast likes women. I know. Yeah. We've done it again, folks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Miranda's gonna maybe tell you what we're drinking while I get up and get another Rainier because I accidentally chugged one while I was eating a burrito <laughs> off mic um, slash on mic, but before we started recording. So I'm gonna let her do that. Actually, I don't know whether or not I, I think I may have had this. Um, which one is this? Can you take it out of, out yeah. of his out I of his home? This is a crux. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't. Uh, no, I think I did have this one. Yeah. Um, this is the Cruising Altitude Double IPA. Um, so mm. I'll let Miranda tell you about it, and then I will be getting beer in the background. Love <laughs> it. So, per the can. <laughs> Take off for the tropics, courtesy of this Imperial IPA, starring the rare and exceptionally complex Strata Hop, bursting with juicy tropical flavors and citrusy aroma. Elevated by Pilsner and Caramel Malt, as well as a floral dusting of Galaxy Hops, this is one universally drinkable double IPA. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this sky-high sunset in a glass. That was that was a beautiful reading. They should hire you, you to like do advertising or something. Didn't Kristen read us that description last episode? Uh, I'm pretty sure she did. Just... Yeah, yes, but also, I mean, you know, maybe Don't people just about it. came here for the wrap-up. You know, you uh, know. It's, it is a very tasty double IPA. Um, I'm pretty sure I've had this one recently because we bought it oh yeah that if you've recently looked at the instagram recent or unrecent depending on how much actually before celebration so previously it's one of the 
things I'm carrying in that giant box. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Um, it's not a giant box, it's just a box lid, but I think I did have this the other day, and I will uh, do a shameless plug of myself on Encyclopedia, which also came out before Celebration, so no one listened to that, except for, I actually listened to it, and I did not cringe as hard as I thought I was going to cringe, so oh, yay. it was really fun. That um, was good. Love Danny, at Danny Pirtle 12? 19. That right? 19, <laughs> fuck. Uh, okay, well, like... <laughs> I got, there was a one, I was one digit off. It's oh, fine. Um, but yeah, Encyclopedia is wonderful. And I'm not just saying that because I was on it. Um, it really is wonderful and you should go listen to it and support Danny because he supports us, but you should also support it, support him and his podcast because it's wonderful. So Also, you know, if you're like Kristen, you can't actually read. It's a great way to learn things. It's true. I love learning. Um, <laughs> what are you guys drinking? Uh, we are both drinking the Star Hill Raspberry Sour that Kate was drinking last episode. I, once again, in the space of the 10 minutes that we've been recording, have had half of my beer because it is that drinkable. It's going to be a good pod, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I had a whole Rainier wall because I didn't put water near me. So that's, and I just got like a spare one out for emergencies <laughs> mm-hmm. beer emergencies if you will beer, yes pod emergencies um so kate do you want to tell us about awesome con yes so uh first effects we are we are recording this pre-celebration uh whenever this comes out hopefully we'll be somewhat recovered from con crud and uh we'll be uh recording a little bonus episode with space at Space Jess on Twitter, um, Jess Shatara of uh, Lousy Beautiful Town Pod to just, you know, do our impressions, recapping stuff. And she's going to be hopefully helping us um, talk about some of the publishing panels we went to. We will have gone to, I don't know what tenses are at this point, when this pod is coming out versus when we're recording. Whatever. Whatever tense you want. It's going to be coming out after celebration, but it's still true. use whatever Grammar is your oyster. <laughs> Grammar is not my grammar oyster. Grammar is your oyster. They literally pay me to know how grammar works. Hence, Yeah, but like, you're oyster. not getting paid right now, so it gets to be your oyster until we start paying you. Damn. So true. But speaking of cons, uh, as Geeks mentioned, uh, Chris and I will be at AwesomeCon in D.C. again this year to, God, fuck this creaky-ass I was gonna say, dining let's, table. Let's note again which of us is touching the table right now and which of us is not. Look! My butthole. It, it, it was Chris. It was not. Again. It was not. Spoiler alert. Absolute. There's no proof, Chris. You have no proof. Um, we, Chris and I will again be at AwesomeCon in DC uh, to present our panel um, on how Star Wars is a franchise. We've been doing all kinds of very cool cross-media, multimedia storytelling. Um, basically, we'll talk about on the pod. Basically, the panel we presented last year, but we're doing it with different panelists this year, and I mean, I'm talking about this panel that we're doing before the con. We already have so much to talk about, and I'm sure we're going to have even more to talk about after celebration happens. So please come join us. I'd um, Chris, are we allowed to say at least who we have on the thing so far? Uh, if you want to. Yeah. All right. So we are seeing if we can, um, you know, trick a few other cool people into <laughs> sitting on this panel with us. But so far, we've got uh, Bria Lavornia, our Tashi Station colleague um co-host of the Kanye cast writer for starwars.com 
writer of many essays for the Marvel comics at this point. Very accomplished lady. Yeah. Uh, we also published in print. Right. It's cool. Um, speaking of publishing print, we are also going to be joined by, oh my god, E.K. Johnston, we're so excited! Yes, the one and only author of Queen Shadow and Ahsoka, um, which are phenomenal books, one of which we've covered, one of which we will cover, and I will scream, because I've got 40 pages left, I'm dying (laughs) a little bit, um... But yeah, we're incredibly excited. Oh, we're so pumped, and we can't believe she said yes, who fucking looks at us, you know? (laughs) I don't She's... know, me and Miranda both said no, so. It's true. You did. It's because we're across the country, guys. It's a really expensive plane ticket. <laughs> womp, womp. No. no, your priorities are very clear, Kristen. <laughs> they fucking should be. <laughs> Her priorities are like, what, beer and puppies, so. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? Are you, are that you gonna is... argue with that? No. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, fuck you, Chris. Moving right along. <laughs> Should we, say, is that official pod business? Should we get into book time? Oh, I should actually, speaking of time, so the panel that we are presenting is going to be on Saturday at 8.30 p.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's interesting. We are not actually part of the, like, you know, Awesome Con After Dark track, but... Can't promise we won't be drunk, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some of us who may or may not be at Awesome Con, can you just remind us of what weekend that is? It is the final weekend of April, so... I want to say it's we're presenting on the 27th of April. Okay. Thank you, Chris. I will Nailed see you it. There. Yes, the 27th. Chris is also, Chris and I are also sitting on some other panels. I don't remember what their names are right now because I'm tired, but. <laughs> I will also be on a panel on Friday. At, I want to say 2.30 about whether or not the galaxy needs the Jedi. Um, moderated by Brie Labornia. Um, I will be on the panel with uh, Admiral Jello from Twitter. Uh, Jay and, um, yeah, and uh, I'm just trying to remember his handle if he has one. Juan but John, John the Gang, Juan John Jedi. is that his Twitter handle? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, um, and uh, John the Gang at Juan John Jedi, who at least was previously, maybe still is, the producer of Beltway Banthas. Uh, unclear on that one, but so that'll be a good panel as well. Skywalking to Neverland. the podcast oh my god this oops is... well that's embarrassing so yeah. chris is gonna be on the panel with people he can't remember what their names are are you Kristen? listen what movie are we talking I about could not remember the name of the force awakens <laughs> no 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 you couldn't remember the name film. of star wars <laughs> no i couldn't remember the name force awakens i remembered star wars no you thought. didn't no you didn't no you didn't go when this, when last, when the last podcast we recorded comes out in two days, I want you to go back and listen to it, Kristen. Literally, could not remember a New Hope. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. Let me live. <laughs> oh God, I don't even remember that. Which means I'm sure it happened. <laughs> um, now that we're uh, seventy-four light years into the podcast, which is a measure of distance. Um, would anyone, <laughs> would anyone like to talk about Empire's End? <laughs> nah, that's not what we're doing. This I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> if Chuck listens to this episode, he's be like, what is wrong with these people again? <laughs> uh, uh, is Chuck oh, going to, to accuse us of being more, on to- more off topic than he is? 
I, oh, well, I said with love. Shots fired. I, it depends on whether uh, Kristen's going to scare him again on on Twitter like she did the last oh my God, time. I'm not, allowed, I'm not allowed to tweet at him anymore. <laughs> I feel like just, he's going to have take a restraining order against me. I know. I'm just not doing it. Um, <laughs> All oh, right, but like the we don't want to. I guess not address. We've only had three people on the pod unless we've had like all guests. Um, and at Real Baby Bird was finished the book, and we were like, "Bitch, come on the wrap." So duh. yeah, we're excited. Four person pop. So, Fuck yeah. yeah. So here we are. Yo. <laughs> We're doing it live. All right. So shall we talk about the writing of the book? No. All right. Great. Look, I know you over. want to, Kate. <laughs> pod's done. Um, all right. So the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, was both the reading and the writing process of creating a book trilogy. Um, which is not really all that different from, like, I suppose, you know, consuming a movie trilogy. Of course, the Skywalker Saga is a trilogy of trilogies, um, that sort of thing. But uh, there are, I guess, like, pitfalls that people often point out when it comes to trilogies, which is that, um, you know, you have the first book, which is kind of proof of concept, and usually ends on a cliffhanger, so you keep reading the series, obviously, because it's a series of books. And then you have the second book, where it raises the stakes, but it really mostly feels like build-up or lead-up toward whatever's going to happen in the third book. And the third book is the one that's, like, quote-unquote, actually interesting. Um, I think this is, like, a criticism that is made of, especially a book series like The Hunger Games. Um, people obviously love the first book the second one it's less popular it's really setting up like all the cool like revolutionary shit that happens in Mockingjay yeah and you know just for as a for instance so how do we feel having read all the aftermath books at this point how do we feel Chuck did overall in terms of avoiding or falling into quote-unquote traps <laughs> It's a trap. <laughs> well, I feel like first Star Wars bucks the trend of normal trilogies because yeah, of how absolutely. fucking beloved Empire is. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion to say that Empire is my favorite of the original trilogy. Oh, absolutely! I think that's not unpopular at all. I think Star Wars and The Godfather are like I think the two best examples of trilogies where the second one was actually better. Yeah. Also, the Mighty Ducks. Fair. Uh, three. <laughs> you know what? Three famous. Well, the Mighty Ducks isn't a trilogy, though, isn't there more? It is. There's it only is. three. There's a third movie. No, I know. I thought there was more than three. Oh no, no, no! They. St- I mean, the third <laughs> one was terrible. Oh no, no! Says Miranda. <laughs> Actually, see now I'm gonna be very embarrassed if there's a fourth. But like, there were definitely three. Listen, if there was a fourth, it was straight to video, and we don't need to discuss it at this time. But was it part of the canon? <laughs> Listen, I don't even know who he would tweet at to know whether it was part of the canon. So Does Emilio Estevez leaving... tweet? Yeah. If, if we have any Mighty Ducks experts we'll besides to... Miranda, because she is one. Who's um, the kid? Please tweet at Kenan, us. We can go to Keenan Thompson. He'll probably know. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. I forgot Keenan was in those. Oh, my God. I was going to say, who's the, who's the kid yeah. who is in those who's hot now? What? There's 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 um, a specific are we person. Talking about what's her fuck from? Um, no, it was a dude. dude I honestly don't uh, remember oh, there being the, any women in that movie. 
Oh, my God. oh uh, what's her name? From uh, Wet Hot American Summer, Mm-mm. Marguerite something. I don't know. She's I'm talking about like she Joshua also, Jackson something. I don't know. Maybe. But also, if we want to tie it into Hunger Games, the kid who played Fulton Reed in the Mighty Duck series was in the third Mockingjay or third whatever the hell the movie was called at that point. The third Hunger Games doesn't matter. Or the fourth. I don't fucking know. But bringing us back to the point. Yes, his name was Joshua Jackson. He was on fucking Dawson's Creek and you fucking forgot Joshua Jackson? He was like the main character of Mighty Ducks. Okay, true story. I've never seen Mighty Ducks. Okay, I've never I hadn't until like four years ago. Also, now it has become incredibly clear how you guys went so long every time I was not on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so somehow that I'm the one to begin with? Somehow, well, I was just like, how did it happen? Why was no one reining anything in? Because all three of you insist on being right about things that don't matter. Correct. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's talk. Okay, so <laughs> did I think that Chuck, I think that, it wasn't a typical Star Wars trilogy, although I would say the prequel trilogy falls into um, the first one is something, and the second one is bad, and the third <laughs> one is something else. <laughs> it is approximately 33% good. <laughs> I take offense to that. Okay, well, Mer- just because you got gay during the second one doesn't mean that you need to bring us the rest of us into this. Um, I don't know. I, I like kind of want to go back and read these all in a row because i don't remember what happened in which book which sure i i mean i also don't remember the name of star wars so i'm not <laughs> a great person to ask about this um i did i i mean i felt like all of the books had actually like similar plot lines and how they felt i remember the other two also feeling like uh there was a lot of build-up and then we had a bunch of episodes where it was like, well, things were happening and fuck. And then like the last episode was like, well, things happened. Mm-hmm. And now we have to talk about them. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think they were dissimilar to other trilogies in that, like all three of them were similar in that way. Yeah. I, so my vague storytelling hot take is that I think that trilogies are overdone. And I think that there are, benefits to telling stories in one volume or two volumes or four or five volumes that like are ignored just for the sake of hashtag making it a trilogy yeah i'm gonna loves babysitters club is what he's telling us yes it's great uh magic treehouse hello dude so true i'm gonna like I'm going to pull that pull, pull that comment out more later but i want you to okay be um but so w- which is to say that like i uh, so, like, I don't love the concept of trilogies to begin with when, like, unless there's a specific reason for them. Like, the sequel trilogy, fine. Like, good with that. Trilogy of trilogies, ending the story, whatever. Um, like, so, I, in terms of this book, I actually, so I, I like this series overall. Um, it didn't age as well for me as I expected. I think maybe just because there's so much, like, maybe not even because itself, but just because when I read it before versus where I'm reading it now, there's just so much more out there in the Star Wars canon now for me to love that, like, maybe I love a little better. Um, I, in terms of just pure plot, I actually 
found this book to be like to have the most slow moments kind of Mm -hmm. uh which was unexpected just because obviously the whole book they're in a giant battle but like Mm -hmm. i do feel like it fell into the trap not just not necessarily of being a trilogy but just of like we knew from the get-go what was going to happen in this book like we didn't know how it was going to happen we didn't know exactly who was going to live and exactly who was going to die but we knew what was going to happen in this book but how is that i don't know if that's a thing you're kind of that wasn't your favorite thing but also how is that different then from other star wars books that kind of just slot really neatly into certain parts of the timeline i mean that's a great question because i enjoy revenge of the sith more than a lot of other people do so <laughs> you know go go psychoanalyze that one um sure but uh so i don't know is the answer to that question okay. um i think it's honestly no accounting for taste to a certain extent um i think part of it's just that for me the battle of jakku itself felt very drawn out or rather the time on jakku itself mm. like so i didn't specifically i did not love how much time we spent on jakku prior to the battle mm-hmm. um which again like i don't even think there's a particular reason for it it just wasn't my cup of tea um, i hate sand I, it's because i hate sand <laughs> everybody Sorry. hates sand i'll stop <laughs> and, and hot titties Oh my god. Miranda, say something. Chris, well, I was just gonna ask for a clarification. Chris, you, um, when you say that, like, we already knew what was gonna happen, you're just pointing to, like, we already knew the Battle of Jakku was gonna happen and kind of, like, what the, not necessarily what the First Order fallout from that was gonna be, but, like, what the fallout with our immediate characters was gonna yeah, be. Yeah, well, we knew that, we knew, obviously, that, like, you know, one of the big, uh, you know, oh my gosh, what's happening moments is, the failed assassination against Mon Mothma. And like, to me, that moment was more confusing than scary because we know that Mon Mothma survives. And, you know, we we know know that that, uh, she's mentioned in Bloodline as having, you know, been like the cult of personality behind the New Republic. A book, a book I read. Sure is. (laughs) Sure is. It's a Star Wars book you read even. But see, Chris, I... (laughs) <laughs> I do agree with you. Like, a lot of the, the kind of build-up in this book on Jakku, just with Nora and Jazz, just in Sloan, just being there and wandering the desert for days. Like, that was my favorite part, but I think that there's really something to be said about being able to craft an entire book based on something that we already know happens. Oh, absolutely. So, like, we know that the Battle of Jakku is going to happen... Uh, some Star Destroyers are going to fall down to the planet. Um, the Empire is going to more or less be over afterwards. You know, it's going to be a big uh, New Republic victory. But, like, in this is probably just a personal preference. I really like being able to go in. It's like, well, I know all of these big things, but, like, what's what's actually happening? Like, what's the story on the ground? Um, what don't we know already? And I think that, you know, Chuck was able to do a really good job of explaining that to us. And personally, maybe, again, I need to go back and reread the first two, but, like, this was probably my favorite book of the trilogy. And I'm very much a person, like Kate said earlier, who loves the first movie in a trilogy, loves the first book in a trilogy. I'll watch, um, and Kristen knows this, like, 
she's a garbage person. She just keeps starting um, uh, ep- shows over, over and over again, even though she's like not even seen the end of some of them. It's really upsetting. I'm like, the, the pilot is the worst part, Miranda. Why are we okay? What she said. No, I just, I agree that I'm a garbage person and I will not apologize for it. But this trilogy <laughs> was the exception to the norm. And I liked All this right. book. Love All it. Right. All right. Because uh, of some details, apparently. That, I mean, that's super legit. I, I will say, Chris, to your point, the... I think that all of the time spent on Jakku feels slow and excruciating by design. I agree with that. Um, I think, and if you want to, if if y'all want to read more about um, writing a Star Wars book and dumping people in the middle of sand and making them hate their lives, <laughs> please. And I'm serious about this. Please read uh, John Jackson Miller uh, wrote Kenobi, which is now a Legends book, but uh, it's about Obi Wan's time. Uh, the beginning of Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine, and he always puts up notes for, um, you know, what it was like to write each novel on his website. So go Google that, because he he, talk, he, he has a good little, like, paragraph or whatever the hell about how he wanted, um, th- like, those parts where, no, like, people hate are hating Tatooine or bored to feel, like, really slow and, like, you wanted to kind of pull your eyeballs out of your head. So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't hear Kenobi by itself without hearing it in um, small screaming voice. Small, yeah, Kenobi. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, no, I think Miranda. I think that's super fair, and I think you know that's it's interesting because this series was like honestly really polarizing in a lot of different ways. Like obviously, like some of the assholes and you know the misogynists white supremacists that segment of the star wars fandom really disliked this series from the get-go because of singer and because the main character was nora etc 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 um so we don't care about that aspect of it being polarizing but like i know some people didn't like the writing some people didn't like present tense like some people didn't like that it went different directions from legends like it's so it's interesting like it's i think it like makes perfect sense that like we have different feelings on it and like also like to be clear i don't think that this book was bad at all like just because and i'm gonna make this point only because this has been bothering me over the past week because game of thrones is coming back like there's a difference between me not enjoying something and something being bad like i think that this was a good series and a good book um that like i think there's just a lot of different opinions on um i know that our pod dad uh brian larson of tachi station uh wrote a really heartfelt piece on what this series in particular this book meant to him in terms of the relationship between Temin and Nora and I that's on the Tashi station uh it, it's on tashistation.net I uh, highly encourage everybody to go read it and I think we'll probably link it in the episode description um but yeah uh, you know I think it's I think the beauty of this book and just Star Wars books in general is they'll they'll have different they'll hit different points for everybody Absolutely. And, you know, that just, you know, talking about what these stories mean to people on a very deep personal level, like, uh, you, Chris, you and I were just talking about this this weekend, how we love Star Wars Resistance and we think that, you know, technically in terms of the writing and the characterization and the pacing and everything, it is, in our opinion, a better, in that sense, a better cartoon than what has come before in terms of Lucasfilm animation. Mm-hmm. And I love it to death. But 
It's not Rebels for me. Yeah. Because I don't have that deep emotional, personal connection to it. Which is fine. Like, I don't need to, like, you know, just want to be screaming, crying about everything all the time. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I do not want to be screaming, crying about everything all the time. Uh, it better fucking be better written than The Clones, which is not even in chronological order. Correct. <laughs> yeah, like, if we're if we're comparing season one of Lucasfilm animation shows, it's resistance by a country mile. It's gonna get a yikes for me, like, dog. <laughs> Clone, Clone Wars is amazing, and it gets a lot better. Rebels is amazing, and it gets a lot better. But season one of both of those shows is rough. Mostly clones. Yeah. Season one of clones is yes. a hot garbage mess. <laughs> what are you talking about? We Ezra is deeply upsetting before he gets a haircut. Yeah, and then he's still deeply upset. Well, okay, we don't have to get into this, but... <laughs> yeah, this is a different podcast. Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, what I said, all of that is fine. Uh, but I do I do want to, like I was saying, turn back a little bit to what Chris was saying about how trilogies are just kind of tired. So the three-act story is not anything new under the sun by any stretch. Um, so many things are in trilogies. But I do think, and this is from my perspective, I'm not like a fucking historian on the history of publishing or anything like that, um, but after The Hunger Games came out, it did really feel like publishers were pushing uh, authors to sign contracts for, like, three book contracts, and often that meant a trilogy. I... Um, for anybody who's interested in the publishing business, I highly recommend subscribing to Publishers Lunch, which is this free email that um, comes out daily. And part of, you know, it gives news about uh, personnel in the industry and things like that. But part of the content they deliver is uh, new book deals that have come out. And so often um, I see three book deals being being signed into contract. And so it really feels like you know, I don't know if we're going to say they're trendy or wherever the fuck they are, but, you know, whether it's movies or it's books, like, people are, have grown really accustomed to this, you know, three-part structure, you know, whereas before The Hunger Games, you had stuff like Harry Potter that went on for fucking ever. <laughs> um, and things, like, you don't, you don't really see that too often anymore. If you find a book series that's anything other than a trilogy, you're kind of surprised, right? Yeah. Um... And so I think that there, with keeping that in mind, there are two different things happening with Aftermath, at least for me. So we, I remember we were questioning earlier whether Aftermath was planned as a trilogy or Chuck signed two more books after the success of the first book. And what I found out was that it was intended to be a trilogy. And I think regardless, kind of what happens is that you know you have to fill out three books because that's what's in your contract and you want to deliver that shit because you want to get paid and there's nothing wrong with that because that's your fucking livelihood, right? Um, but it's hard to just like kind of like shove some story into places because you need to shove story into places to make it a book where as opposed to letting the story kind of organically create the amount of space that it needs. And by that, I mean, I have ideas. 
when I write that I know I can cover in a short story, I think it's going to be X number of pages. And I'm usually right. And the reason why I haven't read, written a novel before is because I'm like pretty much never had an idea, an idea that is novel length. You know, I have a very like linear plot. I don't have B plots. I don't have like a lot, whole lot of secondary characters or anything like that. So I know what it's going to be. And so I'm just kind of wondering if some of the slow moments and and we're going to talk a little bit too about um, some of the character arcs, if some of that is due to the fact that this story was maybe forced into a trilogy. Interesting. I just talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, no, I, th- I think those are all great points, Kate. Um, and I think like the other things to like put our antennas up around are um, how often, like, we expect there to be trilogy movies. Um, oh, yeah. Especially, like, around YA lit. Mm-hmm. Um, not that this is YA lit, but it is Star Wars, so it kind of bridges that very interesting gap between this is not a YA-level book, but it is also faking in space mm-hmm. um, and intended for a very wide audience. Um So I think there's that. Um, And then I think there's also just like different writing styles. It uh, surprises me not at all, Kate, that when you're talking about um, you've never had like a quote novel idea quote. Um, Like I feel like the ideas that you've had uh, are other people's novel idea. Like what other people think are their ideas for novels. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have like you have such a good idea of like economy of words and like what is and is not going to be okay as a like a fucking 60,000 word story (laughs) so like I'm not just like saying that because I think you're a good writer but like thank you (laughs) but I mean I mean I I obviously like really believe that I'm like yeah the things that like you come up with that are I mean that's why like your short stories are so tight it's like yeah, this probably could have been expanded into a novel, but you, like, believed in your heart that it was not a novel right. idea. Right. Right. Whereas, like, this... Who even the fuck knows, like, what Chuck was given and what he wasn't? Right. Um, yeah, and, and I think, like... The, uh, this is all uh, me speculating, but just, like, to... Totally. Just, you know, from, from, from like, writer brain to your ear holes, <laughs> I guess. You know, this is... Something I've definitely been noticing in terms of, like, storytelling and publishing over the fuck in the last, like, what, 10, 15 years, something like that. Yeah, and, Kate, to your point again, like, even, you know, if this story could have been more compact, uh, I think that you made a really good point earlier. You know, I, I do feel like the fact that when we were reading it, it felt like we were on Jakku for fucking ever. That's the point, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, all of these characters are miserable. They're, like, drowning in sand. They're dehydrated. They can't breathe. <laughs> yep. It's like, how long have I fucking been on this desert planet with monster snakes and all sorts of shit? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, even if we could have cut a lot of that out, I don't think we could have gotten the same uh, impression of the planet and just how desolate it really was. Totally. Without Chuck just, like, pulling that out for chapters on chapters. I, I definitely agree with that. Like I said, like, if it, 
Definitely, I think by design, and you know, for those of y'all who are not as familiar with um, Chuck's like writing, writing philosophy, just go fucking look at his blog. It's called Terrible Minds. He talks a whole lot about writing and how he does it and whatever the hell. So I've plugged it before, it's, but it's it's yeah, a good read. It's the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, did you actually have something to say, or did you just want to remark upon how interesting the three of us are? No, I said what I had to say. You said, hmm, interesting. <laughs> I wanted to know if you had any other thoughts <laughs> oh, after you no. heard all of us puke our thoughts about. I mean, I, 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 I contributed to the start of this discussion. I feel white, like I talked. White man. Hmm. Literally the first time anybody's Congrats. ever accused me of not talking enough on this podcast. No, well, you, you just say like, that. fucking piped up. Listen, normally if you pipe up, I assume you have something new to add to the conversation, but I will now not assume. Yeah, you know what happens you. when you assume, so Kristen. Thank you. Uh, you're a white man and you're annoying. You're right. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> oh my god, our children have them so well trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Nobody gets allowance. Oh no. We have our own money. It's Was fine. I supposed to have an allowance? <laughs> We have has money has Kristen them. not been giving you your half? No, she's a bully. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk about killing people in books? Yes. And this book specifically? Yeah. So, Keeks, you, you, you have brought this up numerous times over the, 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 the course of the series, how Chuck loves the... I guess it's a trope. I guess we can call it a trope of, like... And I guess it was more exciting if you were reading the books, like, as they were coming out, as opposed to, like, you know, once you knew it, knew the end of the story. Um, but, you know, uh, you, you've been you've been kind of pointing out. The- I'm sorry, Kate, but I think that was a reader question from somebody. <laughs> Fuck off, Miranda. <laughs> the first the first book we read of this, she Miranda literally asked, like, what did you think of Chuck killing people but not killing people? <laughs> I totally forgot it wasn't Miranda question, sorry. but that's why I keep bringing it up. Well, I love that was a shameless plug. I like it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Stand up for yourself, girl. It's good. Well, um, you get that yes, I did belabor the point over and over again forever. Yes, um, but yet, even though talk. it was a Miranda TM point, um, yeah, I mean, like, fuck. Like, the fact that he killed Mr. Bones in the end after being like, Mr. Bones got destroyed, but then he has a self put together boop bop um and then at the end it's just like no he has no motherboard he has no nothing he's very very dead i'm like bitch (sighs) how dare see i feel like it's kind of sub i think we're supposed to approach it in like the boy who cried wolf kind of way Mm -hmm. but i almost feel like the way that he's been treating all of these situations in the trilogy thus far, like, has somehow made it more devastating. Interesting. Say more about that. Because I'm just like, oh, well, you know, every time it's like, oh, this person seems dead. No, they're not. They're fine. They, you know, do some cool TIE fighter shit. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Bones comes to save them. Mr. Bones saves himself. But then it's like, no, Mr. Bones is gone now. Mm. And you're just like, wait, what? I did not remember signing up for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially for Mr. Troy. Bones can't be gone. Who is Temin going to talk to? Oh, God. So it, 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 I think it was just very jarring. It's like I, I was just setting myself up for something. And because I've seen Chuck do this like over the course of the trilogy so many times, I wasn't ready for the devastation. Mm-hmm. 
And so when it finally hit, like, for realsies this time, I was like, fuck. I think it's... They're, like, super dead. Yeah. And I think it's especially bad for droids, because, like, you think droids can always be repaired. Like, I remember when K2 died and then Rogue One, I was like, but but you can pick him up, guys. Like, what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And L3, too. Ugh! Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, for me, I, like... There, there definitely was an emotional impact for me of Bones' death. Like, it was kind of like the Dobby death in Harry Potter, in the seventh Harry Potter book. Spoiler oh alert. God. 20 years later. Not 20 years, 10 years later. Um, <laughs> to be fair, we had a friend how, how who... dare you, Chris? Who, like, 15 years after Harry Potter ended, was like, wait, Snape died. <laughs> so... It's fine. We had, we had a friend who You're literally not to talk to me. You're like, just don't air out my shit like that on the podcast, okay? <laughs> literally, like six months ago, we were watching Star Wars with a friend of Kate's, and Kate was like, talk like as one does when watching A New Hope, like kind of talking and shit posting throughout the movie about like, you know, like, it's your sister, don't kiss her, like shit like that. Um, and her friend was like, yeah, you spoiled that for me. And it's like, I don't, th- I don't think there's a spoiler warning 40 years later. I know. Like, I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to shamelessly she- plug me and Miranda's sh- speaking of shit posting during A New Hope. You can find us at, uh, what is our handle? At Anxiety Droids. Yeah. That's me and Miranda. So good. We it's very good. about Star Wars on Twitter. Anyway, we're, we might do that later since now we've had 97 beers. Ooh, do it. We haven't. Um, but we, have we done, uh, have we done the, the Force Awakens? Oh my God, I remembered no, it. No, we, we've done so far most of Revenge of the Sith. And most of- I think, well, we, we always start the movies too late and then it's bedtime. And we're Listen, we old. love sleeping. Me and Miranda love sleeping more than we love any, most things. I am stunned to hear this information. It is completely new. We didn't need, we definitely didn't need to have Miranda wake you up yesterday so we could record. <laughs> Listen, I did not come here to be attacked. Anyway, um, if you ever want to see Star Wars shit posts on Twitter, we put them there. And it's both me and Miranda. It's really upsetting stuff. It's, it's, it's great live tweeting. Uh, Miranda definitely dragged me the hardest last time because <laughs> y'all were watching <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. And she was just like... Hayden Christensen has no shirt on somewhere. Like, Kate's just, like, frothing at the mouth. And I was like, wow, thanks. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't voluntarily, like, offered that information on the pod. So. Yeah, it's fair. Go it's off. fair. We were talking about something. We were talking about people dying. Um, <laughs> um, I was I was actually in the middle of a point that I never finished. Um, Wait, you had a point? I did. I know. We're all shocked. Oh, um, man. But, so, to, about, like, the... In general, was Chuck's, like, are they dead or are they not dead writing style? Like, Mm -hmm. did it ruin some emotional impact? Um, And I don't don't blame Chuck for this because this is just very in right now. Like, talking about Game of Thrones again, good lord, George R.R. Martin, back when he actually wrote books, did this all the damn time. Mm. Like... Was somebody dead or did their chapter just end in a weird place? Like... Speaking of were they dead, can anyone confirm that George R.R. R. Martin is still alive? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Was that a serious question? <laughs> there, but for the grace of God. <laughs> I just meant, like, based on the last, 
books. Oh, I mean, he's he's never gonna. He's write never gonna them. write it. He's just there's a difference between being dead and not wanting to write a book. He's just done. He's he's an irresponsible author. That is a great debate that we can get into another time because it's, that was actually very interesting and a thing that like this is this is a whole like argument that the internet has shouting back and forth forever <laughs> like every every few years I don't know, please don't attack me that's from my old roommate also that's fine. this is not a game of thrones pod nor is it nor, nor uh, should it Lord be of the rings TBH. pod <laughs> tbh no, um, tbh tbh anyway. game of thrones twitter is gonna come at me um but so um to me i i don't love that writing style of like oh shit they're dead but they're not dead um so the bones death was it did have an emotional impact for me just because like it did like have that finality of there is nothing left to him but i also do think it was somewhat lessened by the fact that we were to believe that bones literally died earlier this book um and like for me i never I never expected Brenton to live past this book, and so I didn't care when he died. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about Brenton in a second. I know, yeah. No one cares about Brenton. <laughs> no one cares about Brenton. That's it, though. Brenton. What? No one cares about Brenton. I cared about Brenton a little bit. Oh, I mean, that's... I'm soft, bro. I was about to so. say, you're, that's because you're a nice person. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in a hot second, but... um, I was going to say, I also cared about John, and so did Miranda, and we both cried when he died, so... I mean, speaking I... of things that you didn't think anyone cared about, but both of us are fucking soft baby angels that are also terrible people. I actually I mean, like still... the John death because it was so unsuspenseful, because it's just like... Like, I actually liked that, like, quote-unquote, death scene... The best when Delilah S. Dawson tells Nora that <laughs> John is dead. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed that because, like, it's kind of the opposite of what, like, Chuck has been doing, which is, like, you know, trying to leave people in suspense. It's just, you know, Mr. John, he dead. Oh my god! You still have Red Heart of Darkness. Don't I you can't even right. fucking. I, I just say Mr. Kurtz, he's dead. I, he, Mr. Kurtz, he's dead all the fucking time. And he's just. Chris. Has absorbed this like he yeah. absorbs Simpsons references. I was going to say he's never watched. Was literally about to say you'd think it was a Simpsons reference for how often you use that. It's a, it's a good one. I'm uh, not I'm not shitting on you for it, but it's literally that and Simpsons references. Listen, we've just been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, so all of them all of them are dead. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this is fucking fascinating to me because I feel like. Maybe it's because I'm, like, a fucking robot, emotionless motherfucker, but... Uh, and this isn't just my feeling with, like, this series of books. This is just always my feeling. But um, having these, like, like near-death moments where they don't actually die and then killing them later, like, I have all of my, like, my, like, drop of emotion that of devastation I will have about it up front, like, the first time it almost happens, and then every other time it's just like, well, whatever. And so I had nothing left. You know, when all these people died at the end, I was like, okay, cool, they died. <laughs> like, I just, I had no feelings. And I don't think that was what was supposed to happen, but also I'm not normal, so I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, like, I was sad when Mr. Bones died, because, again, it's always shocking to me when a droid actually fucking dies. Um, when John died, I like your, I, I, I see your point, Chris, I just... I do not feel the same. I do not feel the same way. That's fair. 
because it was at a distance. Like, it was, we were literally watching it through Jazz's eyes secondhand from a shitty cam video. Yeah. And it felt like too... I was I was like literally watching a car crash through so many windows. I was like, this isn't real. Like I didn't, I had not, I, I felt nothing. That's fair. <laughs> uh, for me personally. And then with Brenton, I just, all I kind of felt when he died was angry because for me, you know, we, we have Nora's, you know, motivation and one of her deepest traumas is that Brenton is, he, you know, he's, that he's, missing an action and then she finds recovers him again and then she loses him again and you have this you have that ending um in the observatory in jakku where they're having that fight and first of all that didn't sit right with me because nora was like saying all these things like being like the shell like the not I'm saying that Nora's this person, but like the that trope of like the jealous shrew wife, which didn't suit her at all, in my opinion. And then he just fucking died, and everything was unresolved. And I was like, this is just unsatisfying. Yeah. Like he was like he like he was her fucking. He was her. I was gonna say lodestar, and then I felt bad because Mike Pence. Um, but like he was like. Oh God, I forgot about that. But he was like that Jesus. person, right? Oh, you said Homestar, and I was like Homestar one oh. <laughs> but like I was just like, you know, he was like so important and so significant. To her character, like, her feelings for him and her motivations about him and all this shit. And he just fucking died. And I was like, great. Yeah. It's it's funny because I swear to God, this is going to be the last time I mentioned Game of Thrones. But no, it's not. Just think, well, on tonight. Um, just thinking about death scenes and, like, the surprise aspect versus the, like, building up to it feeling of dread aspect. One death scene that I actually really love in Game of Thrones and... I think it is probably the best scene that was not written that was not actually written by George R. R. Martin and so like written by the showrunners is Rickon's death scene. Ooh. Um in season in season 6, 6. Um because and Miranda, have I seen that? Doubtful. It doesn't matter. Um, Keep going. <laughs> so well, it's um it's from a couple of years ago. Um but basically like He's a character who you don't particularly care about because he's been gone for four seasons. And, and he literally has, like, maybe seven lines in the entire series. Yeah, like, he's a child. Like, he's a young child. He does not have, he does not talk. Um, and then, like, you find out that he's back, and you're like, oh, shit. And then, like, they spend a solid, like, two minutes of him running across the battlefield and the psycho motherfucker trying to shoot him with arrows, like, playing with him. And... You see what you think is the dude's last arrow. Like, it's the, the music's building up. You're sure he's going to die. You're, you're bracing yourself. You're sure he's going to die. And then you see what you think is the last arrow fall, and he's about to reach his brother, who can, like, pick him up and carry him away on the horse. And then out of nowhere, this other fucking arrow just, like, spears him. And it's just, like, that moment of, like, release, and then just completely out of nowhere when you thought you were safe, unexpectedness. And to me, that is more interesting to me than, like, the telegraphed, this character exists for redemption and is not going to make it out of the series. And I don't, and again, I feel like I'm shitting on this book and Chuck's writing much more. I feel like I'm coming across like that much more than I mean to. I don't think that Chuck is a bad writer. I don't think this is a bad book. Um, but yeah, I, same. I think, I think, I think you would agree with me that it's just storytelling choices that like, for me, they just, they just don't work for me. They obviously they work for other people. They just don't work for me. Yeah, I think they're indicative of storytelling choices that are somewhat popular in fiction today, 
and their storytelling choices that I don't always love. I think they're just tropes. I think it's not even fiction today. I think it's just stuff. Yeah, that's you know? fair. That's also that's super fair. Wait. Uh, okay. So, Keeks and Miranda, talk about you. T- tell us. Tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you guys are right in a lot of ways. Uh, personally. I think that Brenton's storyline is maybe one of the shortcomings of this entire series. You know, I like Kate, you were saying before, this is Nora's purpose. This is, you know, even to a certain degree, Temin's uh, kind of motivation in the whole series. It's like Brenton, you know, he was this great rebel guy and he got lost and it's all about finding him. And then they find him and then... All the shit goes down, and I know that I'm supposed to care about him. And I know that he means a lot to our main characters, but it's like, I don't feel that over the course of mostly, um, uh, Life Debt? Is that the second mm-hmm. one? Life Debt and Empire's End. I don't think that, like, his story is ever developed enough just, like, from having him actually in... Uh, the plot for me to care enough about his death. Like, I still cried because that's what I do. <laughs> sure. Um, but it wasn't so much for him as a character. It wasn't so much, like, for Nora losing her husband because I know you guys have talked about this um, in the episodes for this book f- before. Like, honestly, I could, you know... Take or leave Nora <laughs> as the main character. Like, I think she is a good main character for the series, but I'm not emotionally invested. Um, it's not so much that I care about him as a character or that I care about what he means to other characters. It's just sad because, like, people dying is sad. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's, that's my whole thing. Okay. Um, two things. One, I wish you could have seen my face when Miranda looked at me like, what's the second book called? I gave her the bitch. Who are you asking? Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the second book is called. I barely know what the second Star Wars movie is called. <laughs> um, I barely know it's called Star Wars as a, the whole conglomerate. Um, and then, I mean... I'm sure that this is because I have such a soft, special place for the clones. Um, I think I cared about Breton's death because he got chipped. Yeah. And he made everyone around him not trust him. Like, he didn't write the... No, but I'm, like... I don't think we get this as much with Temmin... I wish we actually kind of would have seen, I mean, as much as I hate Temin and don't want him to ever talk. Oh my God, um, no. No, no, but like, I wish I would have like heard more about what he thinks about his dad and whether he gives a single shit, whether or not he's anywhere. Um, Because we had so much of like, I mean, not during the first two books, obviously, during this book. Um, After he came back, did bad shit because of his brain chip, and then you know what does he think of him now um i don't think we got a ton of that but we did get a a ton of nora being like fuck you i love you fuck you i love you yeah (laughs) Um, which is like very stereotypical right um that's a trope in and of itself um but 
I mean, yeah, I think I'm just like a big softie for like people literally getting things implanted in their brain they can't do anything about because I like love the clones so much Mm -hmm. and always have. Yeah, I don't really need to talk about John, but I think, Chris, you hit the nail on the head when you were like, it, I think it made me sad because of like, actually, I don't think anybody said this yet. So actually, I will talk about it for a minute. Um, I think, I think I was so sad about John because of how much I cared about Jess and how good her storyline was. Yeah, that's really real. Yeah. And how much she grew as a character and not that like her having a love interest is indicative of her character growth. Um, but I think she had really like turned a corner as far as like caring about other people and like opening her heart. And I think she was like really ready to put herself out there. And I think she was like really devastated. And I think like that's obviously that's also a trope, but that's a trope that makes me cry. (laughs) So like when John died, I was like, uh, I, that made me cry a lot because I really cared about Jess. And I really thought that like her, I thought that was like one of the better character development storylines in the book. And I really cared about her because she was so fucking badass and cool and complicated. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think my, in my opinion, I think Jess and Singer get the best character arcs in the entire trilogy. I think they feel satisfying. They feel full. Um, you know, they, they're not necessarily linear either, which is a good thing for me. Um, in this case, because, um, you know, growth is, growth is, growth is not linear. I think, I think what was useful about Jom as a character, it sounds really rude, <laughs> but, um, you know, he shows that Jess's capability of caring for people, but also that her actual, like, you know, her attunement to her own emotions and such, um, is growing as well as she... You know, her self-awareness is growing as, as even as she, like, starts to open herself up, which is, like, I think it's something super important with, like, emotional development, which I don't have personally. Ha ha ha. No, but actually, like, <laughs> like I think it's something that, like... Therapy is a teaching tool. It is. Sure is. Go to therapy. Um, but I, I think it's something that's not really touched on as much as, you know, them just being more receptive to other people. It's, like, being receptive to yourself. So. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Sinjir, honestly. So those were those are really satisfying character arcs for me. Can you not? Me and Miranda are gonna fucking cry okay, again. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Drink, drink more. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we are. Don't worry. Uh, I tried to take a few photos. They're all as terrible as they usually are. Backlit by my monitor. Um, <laughs> but is that all we wanted to say about the book before we get to the social questions where we're going to talk about the book more? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, the, the, the one other thing is that Tom asked us if we had discussed the weird hut song that, uh, uh, Mr. Bones was singing at the, towards the beginning of the book on the ship. And I think, I think it's Singer sitting in his cabin being like this creepy motherfucking droid. <laughs> um, but I know from the acknowledgements in the back of the book that Tom is the one who made the Hutties words for this song. I don't know what they mean. I was staring at them, and I feel like it's kind of like droid speak, where every, like, beep boop is, like, stands for, like, one syllable of a word or something like that, but I'm like, I don't... Chris, did you look at this again? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. I don't know. I feel like we failed Tom. He specifically asked us to talk about this. I know. We got nothing. I know. I mean, it's... Well... I was going to say I specifically failed him because I did listen to the audiobook where there was actually a song. Um, nice. 
how however <laughs> um i mean i think that's just uh, as much as that is obviously like sanctioned by um our friends over at uh where what is the publishing oh my delray let me live okay i was gonna say like lucasville media and i'm like that's not right <laughs> um delray thank you sorry tom i am the worst Aww. um i mean i think like it's as important obviously not everyone's listening to the audiobook right so it's more important i i was more curious about what you guys thought about this when i saw it on the outline than i was about being like this is what it sounded like and also you guys know i don't remember what it sounded like so i don't, I remember him like seeing you describing it as being kind of eerie and creepy and i was just like this is like some kind of weird like hut like dirge or, or song or something like that like mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know yeah so uh i i think we've covered by which i of course mean the three of you have covered on all previous um episodes about not just empire's end but the entire aftermath trilogy uh we don't really need to get into our feelings of nora and her character development whatever bullshit that's been very much covered so let's go ahead and get into some social media questions yes my yeah favorite time yeah no i mean i I'll say that how I feel about Nora at the end of the series is how I felt about her at the beginning of this, like, this book, the first episode for this book, so go fucking put your eye holes on that, I guess, if you want to know about that. Uh, your eye holes, your ear holes. Put your, put your eye holes on this audio. Correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, putting my eye holes on the social media questions on the outline. Okay, first effects. Um, thanks to... <laughs> Brandon371 on Instagram, who is a cool-ass motherfucker, and... I think it's Brendan, not Brandon. I said Brendan. I'm sorry, I heard Brandon. I know how to say his name. I, I misheard you then, I apologize. Sorry, did you mean Brenton? <laughs> Fucking Christ almighty! I'm just trying to thank Brendan for giving us a review, you bunch of knuckleheads. Jesus. All right. Does he have a dog? You wrote on the outline that he has a dog. Yeah, he apparently... You see, we left us, like, the sweetest review about how he fucking listens to our dumpster fire while he walks his dog. So, like, shout out to you and your dog, bro. Yeah, shout out to the dog. Like, seriously. Like, can you give your dog scratches for us? Because we, we've never met your dog, but we love it. I, I feel confident in saying that he or she deserves scratches. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. They're all good dogs. Just can... Yeah, they're good dogs, Brent. They're good dogs, Brendan. Brenton. Brenton, sorry. That that joke does not translate well. Thank you. Thank you for your time. This poor man, he's never listened to the pod again. Anyway. Yeah. Um, he's like, no reward is worth this. <laughs> okay, he actually he had he had a real question. he had a real question though. Um so we haven't been talking as much about the interludes for this book. Uh we talked about kind of what their purpose was, uh, and things like that uh when we read the first aftermath book but he did especially want us to talk about a few of the ones in empires and and one of the ones he wanted us to talk about was the bit with the acolytes of the beyond which was some crazy shit and i know chris i do i have thoughts on that so first it just makes me so even more angry that we were robbed of more acolytes of the beyond stories from chuck Thanks to Marvel. Yeah, fuck you, Marvel. Yeah, just constant fuck you to Marvel. Um, but I loved them because, like, you know, we see the New Republic and the people, you know, trying to move on and, you know, 
make their way through New Galaxy. And then we see the the Wartals, who are, you know, maybe don't have the best intentions and are, you know, corrupt, but, like, at the end of the day, are trying to work within the New Order to get things done. And then you see the Empire and the people who are just, like, for political reasons, clinging to the Old Order. And then you see the, like, the white supremacist youth, essentially, God. who like, look at the failures of the past and see glory, and... Which is gonna get a yikes from me, my guy. Yeah, but, and that's, but, and that's what the Acolytes of the Beyond are. They're fanatics, and they're zealots, and they don't understand what it is they're worshipping, and they're exceedingly crazy, and, you know, supported by Tashu, who is cuckoo bananas. I mean, it's the, it's the, um, dark side of the Force equivalent to the you know the zealots who are making the military half of the first order yeah absolutely yeah they're yeah they're the religious side mm-hmm. for sure yikes but so it's just i i just i just found it really interesting to see that viewpoint and like you know i wonder post episode nine if we're gonna get more information about how this cult of the dark side kind of translated to 30 years later and like Snoke is apparently a more known figure at least Leia knows him as we know from Force Awakens mm-hmm. so like he's not as mysterious as someone like a Darth Vader was. well I guess Darth Vader was was and wasn't mysterious but as someone like the Emperor was like is what is the general attitude about the Force and the dark side and things like that so it like I don't know the Acolytes of the Beyond were just like to me, just, like, scratching the surface of what could be, like, an incredibly fascinating story. Totally. And I would love to see, could they, you know, kind of connect to the Knights of Ren? That yeah, exactly. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, moving on to his second question. Oh my god, the Jar Jar interlude. Uh, J- Jar Jar is Snoke. <laughs> so, like, I'm really curious Comedian to see Snoke. how he goes from being, like, a clown to the ruler of the first order like i think that's a very interesting progression yeah that's the trilogy we deserve oh my god <laughs> quoting the pod pba the snoke jesus christ Aww. little baby um yeah thanks Char, for actually making jar jar a sympathetic character for once in his life like poor jar jar it's like it's not the ahmed best fault and it's it's you know it's that he had what like needed to put food on the table for his family and had to play a racist character. Um, but, yeah, his character was just the fucking worst. And then you just, like, shook your fist at him when he just turned the fucking Republic over to the Emperor and all this other stuff. And now he's just really sad and homeless. And it's just like, oh, God. I just loved how I've sincere he was. I'll say it again. He's, uh, he's fairly likable during the Clone Wars cartoons. He's all right. I don't, I don't like him during the Clone Wars ca- cartoons, but... I said fairly likable. <laughs> I said he... Okay. He is more likable than he is during the prequels. That bar, I could trip right over it. Yep. I just... I love... Blam, 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 blam. I love how, like, earnest he is in his interlude. Like, he, like... I think he genuinely knows why people are mad at him. He doesn't fully understand how it happened, but at the end of the day, he makes the kid, I don't remember the kid's name, 
but he makes the kid laugh and that is like the highlight of his week and he's like thrilled with it and like it's just like going back to a character who like execution aside was intended to be this comic relief in a movie for children and intended to make children laugh. Oh, absolutely. Kids like, love Jar Jar back in the day. Like, yeah. little kids. kids. Yeah, kids today still love Jar Jar. Absolutely. Like, so it's just, it was nice. To me, it was a very fun, like, it, you know, it's depressing, obviously, because things don't end well for Jar Jar. But it was, a, but, like, for me, it was, like, a really redeeming moment for the character as conceived. Yes. Like, for, for the actual characterization of Jar Jar and, like, the... All, all that comes with that. Yeah, you, you said that better than I would. You said that what I was trying to say. Yeah, see, I, le- I leaned into, like, the depressing side of that. That was maybe the saddest interlude for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, you know, I obviously, like, Jar Jar, as a character, he's done a lot in his life that he's fucked up. And, you know, this is just kind of his life now. He's hanging out. Um, I think you guys said this was on Nebu. Yes. And he, he's just trying to make the kid happy, but he's, like, telling him his story. And it's like, oh, God. I know. Like, we we obviously all know it because we're familiar with the prequels. But when you hear him say, like, oh, well, I did this and then this and this. And, like, I was banished from, like, my civilization and mm-hmm. all this other shit happened. It's like, Jesus, this is dark. Yeah, definitely. Like... Any other being in the galaxy would have been like, well, I guess I'll eject myself into space and die. <laughs> like, fuck me. And to hear him tell it, too, to, like, a child, like, a complete innocent. Like, yikes, man. A child. Thank you. The child. Yeah, Miranda's a garbage person. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck me with these goddamn terrible interludes. <laughs> uh-huh. They're all horribly depressing. This is less um, depressing. Elodie's wasn't yeah. bad. Okay. I have a lot of questions about it, though. Okay, go. I mean, it's not so much a lot of questions as it is one giant question mark. Like, what's the whole purpose of, like, the whole pirate civilization we have going on there? I'm pretty sure... It- because like is that important later i don't think so i think it's just it's just fucking cool and also like something that's why it was depressing to me because i was like there was an incident oh my god i just i don't think we've seen people really outside of either the light side dark side you know empire uh, rebellion whatever the fuck that kind of dichotomy try to make their own thing and you know have it be marginally like com- like this completely neutral space. Like, I guess the closest thing you get to that is maybe Lando on Bespin, but even that is like you know gets like his shit gets fucked. Like with Elodi, like um, it's just trying to make something completely different. And I think that's I think that's what the interlude is talking about. That there is space now to just kind of break down the system and imagine something completely new. Ironically, as it turns out from the rest of the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're still like, listen to me, I, I'm giving the order to blow shit up. Well, yeah, there's the other side Star of that. Wars. <laughs> which is like, how do you, how do you do it? Which I mean, 
you know, we are like we are very like you know on this podcast we were very pro the dismantling of um, uh, capitalist and racist systems, etc. But also, how does one do that? Mm-hmm. How does one do that when one still loves an everything bagel for two dollars? It's very complicated. God, that's um, so fucking real. <laughs> Jesus. And- Miranda's now asking me where I can get an everything bagel for two dollars in Portland. You can't, Miranda. You can't. Um, I'm so happy right now. Did anybody else have anything to say about interludes before we get into Easter eggs? Because I know we've got a shitload to Easter eggs. Well, we have other social media social questions. Social media questions. Oh, I'm a <laughs> Please subscribe. Great. All right. I just wrote down 119 illiteracy. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Also, I'll warn everybody, there's one minute left in the basketball game and UVA's up by one, so it's either about to be very quiet in the background or very loud in the background. I think either way it's loud. Wahoo, wah. Love you. All right. Uh, Going to move on to um, the comments that Manda... Um, at Man of the Ginger, our lovely, wonderful Tashi Station colleague. Um, so she is a Leia superstan, as everyone should be. But she just wanted to point out, um, don't sleep on how amazing Leia was at 10 months pregnant. I, I'm especially a fan of, please don't do this thing in the morning because there's just no way I could possibly stop you. Uh, which we, which we definitely talked about, I think. Mm, maybe two episodes ago because it was like amazing like I'm so pregnant and I can't get up early in the morning so I guess if you wanted to sneak off to Jack who I couldn't stop you because I'd be napping because pregnant people need to nap and it was just like the most beauteous thing ever um Amanda goes on to say one of Leia's most relatable moments for me was I didn't I didn't even know a person could be this pregnant been there and and aside, every single person I have ever met who has ever been pregnant has had the same opinion of this. Like, holy shit, I'm a house. Please help. <laughs> um, it also says, also been in the moment of, I'm in labor right now, but I've got stuff I need to do before we focus on that. Um, which in her case was like trying to get home to Seattle from Portland. And um, Keeks, Keeks and I have a friend who uh, gave birth at the end of October uh, to her adorable large baby like he's just a big boy official nephew of the pod um and i'm pretty sure like the baby gift we sent them never fit him and yeah. like that's fine i think they're gonna have more kids no pressure to do so if they don't want to but i'm like yeah i don't think he was ever able to no, wear he was... that because like she is such a c- kind and considerate person we would have gotten a photo and I was like, I don't think he was ever in zero to three month infant. No, big boy. He grew out of that size of clothes at two months. Not even the end of two months. He's 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 growing like crazy. Um, but I remember she was telling us her labor story, and you know, obviously, like being able to, I mean, grow a human is like this like wild evolutionary thing that people with female reproductive systems are often able to do, which is cool in and of itself, but also survive. Like labor sounds terrible. Like delivery sounds fucking awful. Like. Do not Google no. it. Do not Google like, it. I do not recommend Googling it yeah, at all. Like all. Or talking to anyone about it. No. Ever. Well, okay. So, cause all her, like, I guess the highlight of her story that I'll pull out without like ruining any of her privacy or anything is that, 
like the nurses kept asking her what's your pain like right now from one to ten and she's like it's still a ten but like the pain gets worse and the scale never gets higher (laughs) um so yeah no i don't i don't envy leia it's just like being enormous trying to eat um, all the fucking Jogan fruit that Han got her to grow a baby. On top of that, Han is your fucking Yo! <laughs> so fucking real. I feel like he skipped every birthday. Oh class. my god, you're so right. He has no idea. Like, he doesn't know. Like, well, he himself doesn't know how to breathe by by his own person, like, in the, while she is having labor. <laughs> well, he also had to skip birthing class, because, like, otherwise he couldn't go out to the space farmer's market to get all the jokes. You're so right. It's true. I'm I'm confident so. Han had every single birthing class on his calendar. But where's his calendar, you know? Where'd he leave it this time? Yeah, exactly. Like, Chewie ate it. <laughs> he just, he found excuses to get out of them because he was scared. Like, I don't, I don't know. Okay, Chewie takes offense at that. <laughs> Does he, though? Chewie's like, I want Leia to, yeah, he's like, I want Leia to have a successful and beautiful labor. Yeah, you're right. And I can't believe you fucking miss birthing classes, you piece of human garbage. That's probably true. I I would have been there for my Chewbacca wife. Oh, my God. Well, he has a son. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like Wookiees are probably, like, you know, just, like, super hardcore, like, natural birth. Like, let me, like, just sit in a pool of water and poop this baby out sort of thing. Amidst if they all even the be- need a pool of water. Amidst all the beautiful trees. Yeah, it's true. Maybe evolution was kind to them and their baby's heads are not bigger than how far, like, their reproductive, like, pipe, whatever the fuck can go. Wouldn't surprise me, honestly. I hope they have at least that because every single other part of life in the galaxy has been shitty to Wookiees. Yup. Also, like, have you seen Kashyyyk? Like, they are definitely... Oh, God. Did UVA just tie it? Yup, they sure did. Oh, my God. Wild. I was gonna hear... I hear it. (laughs) Please leave that in, because it's crazy. Um, There's... For for those listening who have forgotten what the results of the game a week and a half ago was, uh, UVA just tied it at 68 with 12 seconds left. Jesus Christ. All right. High score on UVA. Right? I know, right? So true. Uh... (laughs) Drag them. Oh my god. Alright, moving along. Uh, Spark, one of our wonderful Tashi Station. Spafork. Spafork. Josh, our, uh, one of our lovely uh, Patreon patrons, he pays a dollar a month to get access to our Patreon Slack where we talk about honestly weird shit, but it's fun. Uh, but he asks, what has your favorite aspect of the Aftermath trilogy been? Do y'all have answers off the top of your head? Mr. Bones. Ugh. I mean, yes. I I will say one of my favorite aspects has been, I think, as much as I, like, criticize the aspects of Empire's End, I think it has some of the most beautiful writing in it of all the series. And my favorite part, hands down, was the This is Mr. Bones section where he's putting himself back together. Like, incredible. Just incredible writing. I, I really uh, enjoy Sinjir's character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in uh, Empire's End, I think, is when it really, like, hit me. Totally. Just, like, how how real of a character he is and how far he's come. And, like, it's, it's really important to me that we can see that he's working on himself. Yes, absolutely. You know, he's, he's trying to be a better person, but it's hard. And I think you touched on this earlier. It's very not linear mm-hmm. definitely 
Like, it's something he definitely struggles with, but apparently I love Sinjir now. It's a whole thing. I mean, I love Sinjir deeply. I, man, do you know, like, how many people I would slap, like, straight in the face to get more Sinjir content? Like, it's a lot. Everybody in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I think, I think Podfather, like, Brian Larson would literally let me slap him in the face of a man he would get more Sinjir content, so. Oh, no question. (laughs) No question. I was going to say, Brian's a, like a semi, he's a very good person. He would absolutely let oh, you do that. Brian. He would take that one for the team. He would, but also I would never slap him in the face. <laughs> um, For me, definitely Bones. Because I think mm. Bones, the writing of Bones is just like in a class all its own in terms of what it brings to, like just the hilarity factor that it brings to this. Um, but Stop pandering to Kate, Chris. Um, but for me, it's care. low-key Mon Mothma. <laughs> too. Ooh, yeah. I really liked Mon Mothma's yeah. development in this series and watching her step into her role and become the leader that the New Republic needed her to be. And obviously she's still not there and like there's still issues and the fact that she held the Republic together through cult of personality instead of through systems and she demilitarized and like there's plenty of things she did wrong but it, her development in the series was really really interesting to me. Fucking danger fruit. It's called Star Piece, okay? Fucking Cakes. What, what, Piece what, of the stars. Oh, shut up. Cakes, what have you enjoyed? Oh, I said Bones. Oh, my bad. Um, no, 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 it's fine. Um, I've enjoyed uh, Bones. I've enjoyed uh, that Nora almost died a few times because I'm tired of listening to her Oh, talk. my God. Let me live. Um, we're being... This is an open, honest, safe place. No. Um... <laughs> filled with our closest friends Mm. Um, (laughs) and strangers on the internet and non-strangers on the internet hi guys love you um uh i talked i defended han last time kate talked about how much she hated him as a dad i loved him as an incompetent (laughs) father i think it was very realistic like what do i do to it and i was like fucking pick Pick it up. What, you, what is wrong? Why am I saying it now? What did you do to me? <laughs> yeah, fucking pick your son up, you piece of shit. Um, I think that's very realistic. Especially like, oh my god, I'm going to be so me. How old are they during this? Uh, uh, 25. Le- Leia's 25-ish. So that yeah. would make Han 30 37. plus. Yeah, 35 38. Plus. So like 20. He's like 20 and a half years. If that, so that yeah. checks out. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's now finally gotten a license to drive the Falcon and he does not know how to parent a child. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't want to say, like, we talked a lot about the writing in this and I think it's just like inherent in a third book of a trilogy that we would talk about the writing so much. Um, but I want to just like echo what everyone else said when they said it was like an enjoyable book to read. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Um, but yeah, bones mostly. That's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Podfather, he would like to. Ass- Kate, you didn't answer. Yeah, I the did. Question. I don't yeah, think did you did. Yes, I did. did. I talked about the Miss. I don't I think mi- you did. I talked about the Mister Bones section. That was before this section, but that is duly noted. What she said. What? Kate, you can do whatever you want. That's what I said. I said what I said at the right location. Fuck you guys. All right. 
Back me up, Podfather. Er, Podfather would like to would like to know our opinion. Um, is how are we saying Condor's last name? I'm saying it Condor Kyle. All right. I'm saying it like John. No, honestly, Miranda, that was my like reference Kyle. point too, and so I was gonna say like, if anybody wants to tell me I'm wrong, I'm very open to it. Thank you for also being garbage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, DC garbage. All right. Um, oh. Is Condor Kyle the the best good soft boy or the best good soft boy? Um, he's the most goodest and excellent and precious and perfect good soft boy ever. Yeah, the answer is yes. Yes. Brian. Like, I just... Agree. He's, like, just this precious dumpling, and he's, like, just the perfect, like, opposite for Singer. He's, like, really good at his job, I know, though. he's really good at his job, and he can keep up with Singer being sassy as hell and, like, keep him on his toes... But it's also just, like, really nice. Like, I feel like he picked out, like, the most thoughtful gift for, for Ben when he was born. Like, he's just... Aww. He's a soft boy, and I want to protect mm-hmm. him. What did he get, Ben? I don't know. Oh, was that was that a hypothetical? I yeah. thought you meant he literally picked out the sweetest gift for No, I, be- I bet he did. Oh, okay. I bet it was, like, really personal, and Leia cried and stuff. Oh, okay, that's fine. I, was, I thought that there was, like, an actual thing, and I just missed it somewhere. I don't know. We can ask Chuck. Kristen doesn't fucking scare the shit out of him again. <laughs> Chuck. Um, but yeah, no. Condor Singer forever. I'm so glad they got married. As we know from Last Shot by DJO. Praise the Lord. All right. Another book I technically read. Christ. All right. Our last question is from Friend of the Pod. Shannon at Shanjoy26 on Twitter. What would what do you think Singer would think of Thane? Thane Kyrell from Lost Stars. I think he would be unimpressed question. and then not care. Yes. Quick, quick yeah. question from some of us who definitely were on the podcast for the <laughs> book. Yes. Was it Thane who went to the rebellion? First? Yes. Or okay. Oh, so he went to the rebellion and Sienna stayed yes. in the yeah. empire. Yeah. And then they fought. Cave sex. See, I read it. <laughs> she sure did, man. <laughs> Jesus. Um, see, I I don't know if I have an answer to this, so I might just be talking out of my ass right now. Not that that's... It's a whole pod. Different than usual. <laughs> but, like, I just... Because uh, Thane and Sinjir, like, came to the Rebellion uh, from such different places i think that'd be like a really interesting thing especially because they're in the same timeline yeah yeah totally I'm- so it'd be like interesting to see if they ever met because like thane obviously came out of you know whatever idealism he held uh and sinjir was like trapped on fucking endor after the second death star blew up like fuck i gotta like get out of this somehow mm-hmm I don't have an answer to this question. You gave a good college try. I also don't have an answer to this question. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's a testament to how vast and weird and insane the empire is. Cause they would be like, I don't know. We weren't even like, we didn't even go near each other. Right. I think also mm-hmm. to actually get closer to answering this question. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it depends on when you ask. Cynthia. Yes, Totally. Like, if you ask him right after Endor, he's like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm just here to survive. Just here so we don't get fined. 
you know, Empire <laughs> Forever, whatever. What? But, uh, you know, one of the things about his character development is that you see Sinjir leaning more into, like, well, maybe we should be doing something for the good of the galaxy. That's a little strong for him still, I think, for me to say that. But, yeah. But he he reaches a certain point where he's like, yeah, I'll agree to help on Mothma. Um, I want good things, if only for the people I love, but, like, the people he loves. Totally. Want the New Republic, want the Rebellion to be successful. Um, so I think it it's something that, like, he would... I think he would warm to Thane over time. Yeah. I I think I think he's a cynic. I mean, he is a cynic at heart. That's like his whole shit, but I think I think what they do have in common, like like you were saying, just to pick up on something you're saying, Miranda, about you know, Singer cares deeply about the people he loves and I think like Thane to a certain extent like he's not in it for the ideology or anything else like he's he's in it because like the alternative is not good and i think singer also like kind of comes to that conclusion eventually like this is this is not my favorite favorite thing ever um and then my cop-out answer to this question is i would love god there's so much virginia screaming happening back yeah back. they just took the lead in overtime nice Oh my god, it's overtime! And we- <laughs> I was like, "Is there a car?" I need to be done with this fucking pod so I can watch this game. Um, I, <laughs> uh, my cop out answer to this question is: I would love to get Singer, Thane Kyrell, and Iden Versio in the same room. Yes, that'd be so amazing. I feel like Thane and Iden would get along very well, and I feel like Singer would, Singer would not blow off Iden. He would be far too terrified of Iden. I do think he would blow off Thane, like, immediately. I think I think he would take one look at Thane, and he's like, Oh, pretty boy, did you leave the Empire for love? That's original. Like... Damn, you're so right. What if Thane, what if Thane brought him, like, a good bottle of booze? Uh, then they would probably get along better. <laughs> Thane probably has some... I think it'd still be the same, but, like... Thanks for the alcohols. Yeah. Thane and Iden definitely have like crazy stashes stashes of jet juice like lying around somewhere, so absolutely. Yeah. Alright. Easter eggs. Alright, I wrote down a bunch. This shit's gonna be two fucking episodes again. Uh, no, we it will finish it'll, now. It'll be an hour and a half, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, okay. Everybody just pick your favorite. Alright. I'll, I'll go last. Go. Oh. Literally anybody, go. Okay, so I um behind the scenes came on to the episode today at the last second and it was mostly so i could scream about one particular uh easter Fuck egg yeah. that nobody responded to my message about today save it for the pod <laughs> i did save it for the pod um so it's in lando's interlude um he's thinking to himself about whatever bullshit um you know running bespin and he thinks of advice that Leia gives to him, which was, the rebellion was easy, governing is harder. Which, <laughs> I am very, usually it's a dumpster fire, but like, I am very grateful to be living, like, in this timeline. Love a fucking Hamilton reference in my Star Wars Oh, hell yes. Yep. And it's, like, a thing that, like, it's a quote that Chris has brought in, like, like, 
shitpostingly is a word now, but that's what you meant when you brought it in. But like, no, it's here. It's 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 real and it's the fucking best. Mm-hmm. I almost threw my book across the room. I have a picture of it on my phone. I think I only texted it to Kristen, but I s- internally screamed for a lot of reasons. And one of which is the fact that, so like, if we want to go full Hamilton on this, Leia saying it to Lando is not the equivalent of how it happens in Hamilton because Lando is fucking Aaron Burr. Do not at me. Oh my god. He's willing to wait for it. That's. I think he actually specifically says like in the interlude, please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but also this is his general thing like, he knows he's going to be on the winning side. He's going to come out ahead. That's Lando's whole shit. He knows he knows how to lie in wait and see who's going to come out on top. Interesting. Miranda wrapping up with a hot take. I love it. I'm going to mic drop and moonwalk away from that comment because I do not. I, I fucking I love that. it. I respect that. And I, I know many, many, many of our listeners are Hamilton fans. So like, I fucking welcome your, your commentary on this take because it's going to be... The best ever. Um, I like the opera because I love a good shit post. What that like he made opera like just like an actual yeah thing. yeah that this motherfucker's just obsessed with the opera. Yeah. Do you like the opera? Fucking fuckbag. I wonder if he's heard the tragedy <laughs> of, of Dark Plagueis the Wise. Incredible. <coughs> Great. Now I have a disease that you gave me yep. from that stupid comment. Yep. Kristen. Uh, Lobot were home. Also, just like Lobot being there and being like, can you stop emoting to me? Also, I don't understand sarcasm. Also, fuck yep. you. Dude, also, like, what a mood. I am Lobot. <laughs> we figured it out. We figured it out, guys. Um, so, lots and lots of things going on uh, as we have gone through. But, uh, we'll few things I wanted to point out. Sound of Sella is mentioned many a time. Uh, is that Kor's Correct. Figure? That is her dad. Cool. Love so, it. there it is. Um, the pr- prologue, um, Palpatine refers to Endor, the Battle of Endor, as being a shatter point, which I thought was cool. A throwback to... That book is literally called Shatterpoint, right? In Legends? It is. Yeah. Um, so, it's a reference to Legends. It's like one of those events that can go about a billion different ways and you no matter how powerful you are in the forest you'll never figure it out um but it's gonna be really consequential and it was um do 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 um chris touched on this before but fucking delalo dason as a character sergeant delalo s dason so fucking good so in case you didn't know chuck and delalo Dawson are besties and this is his reference to her in his books, and she has a character named Chirk in Phasma, who is Chuck, obviously, which is honestly the funniest shit, like, ever. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Um, and then, like, Loki, one of my, like, favorite Han quotes is um, him just, like, in Empire, and Lando does a suit, but him just going, it's not my fault! Which, like, is, like, do you ever, like, have those... Like, things in Star Wars that are, like, not even, like, memorable quotes or anything. They're just things people say, but you just say it in the correct intonation. It's like, haha, Star Wars reference. This is the one Chris and I use constantly. 
Um, so that was lovely. So him just being, so him, like, just Ben just crying, and then Leia walks in, he's like, I didn't do it, it's not my fault. It's beautiful. It's pretty great. That's all I got. All right, and on that note of it not being Kate's fault. It's not uh, my fault. Thank you for listening to this episode uh, of the Book Wars pod. Uh, we have obviously and if you hated wrapped it, up. it's not my fault. Yeah. Uh, we've <laughs> obviously wrapped up Empire's End next week. As we mentioned, we're going to be starting Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed, the start of the book through chapter seven. Uh, so we hope that you will read along with us. Uh, also, as we mentioned, we're going to have a post Star Wars, a real post Star Wars celebration <laughs> show uh, at some point. I would guess it's going to be within the next few days as you're listening to this. We'll see how bad we get Concred. Yeah, we'll see. Well, anyway. uh, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and email, bookwarspod at gmail.com and or bookwarspod on all those platforms. Nice. And rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. When you leave us a review, you're automatically entered to win all sorts of cool shit, particularly coming out of Celebration. I would think we're going to have some shit to give away, all I'm going to say. Be like Brendan. Have a cool dog. Exactly. Right rate the pod yep uh if you are so inclined and have the means please donate to the tashi station radio patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash pod really helps us cover our hosting and production costs our theme song is whiz bang by poddington bear our logo and artwork are by joe butera design for kate Kristen, and miranda i'm chris thank you for listening to this singular episode of the book wars pod that has not been split into two episodes and we will talk to you next week jesus hey cakes are you guys still there we've completely lost you oh no can you hear us oh now you're back hey. okay oh okay what was the last thing you heard uh talking about how miranda's a garbage person <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's where we stopped. It just got very quiet. Oh okay. Oh, okay. So